0: Back to Hot Off the Press. I am Jillian from Studio Soprano, and I am here with the always lovely Mariah of Mariah Creates. And today we are gonna be talking about how to set up files to make embossing plates.
1: Oh my gosh, I honestly can't wait. I'm gonna be taking notes because I I have not done any embossing myself on the press. And I remember when you first like were gonna do your first embossing project and you were reaching out to Shelly at Concord Engraving about like how to set up the file and stuff and like I remember you sending me an email and you're like does this actually mean anything to you and I was like no that is a foreign language do not (laughs) comprehend zero zero percent understand like it was once you know what they mean it makes so much more sense but like at the time it literally looked like gook. like no clue what you're talking about I understand that these are terms related to printing but I literally don't know what that means so yes. I'm very excited for this, for this episode. So thank you for doing this for us.
0: Yay. Yeah. Um. So that moment of reading that email and feeling like, I know this is English, <laughs> but I don't understand any of it is exactly the kind of moment that we created this podcast to help other people out. Because if you are exactly. an experienced printer and you're listening, or if you just have like a really advanced background in any kind of graphic design, then all of this is going to seem really cut and dry easy. But for those of us who have kind of wormed our way into this industry from other places, and we don't know all of the lingo, it is very, very confusing. And there was actually um, like a mathematical difference. And therefore, had I actually just taken their advice at face value, I would have ended up with some really wild results. So we are going to dive into all of that stuff today.
1: Yeah. And to be clear, this is not anything like against Shelly and Conkner Graving. Oh yeah, absolutely not. It's just that like, it's a complicated topic. Yeah. It's hard to understand and it's hard to like grasp until you like know what those things are and like what they, what the effect is of making that bigger or smaller or whatever. And so it's just, it's really confusing. It's one of those things that like with so many letterpress related things, like, until you see it and understand how, like, that works, it, like, makes no sense. And then once you do, it's super, like, clear and obvious. And it's just, like, one of those things, there's just a gap between when you know and before you know. <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah. I have a feeling after this episode, everyone's going to be like, wow, that's so easy. Like, Maybe surprised that I had such this like difficult moment of getting into it, but honestly, there is nothing on the internet that explains it as easy as we're gonna break it down today. So um, this actually feels like the biggest gift I've ever given anyone, and I'm really just giving it to myself. (laughs) You're giving it to me. Let's be real. I'm gonna literally take your notes and I'm gonna just run with it. it. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so let's knock out just really quick some of the very basic confusion that happens on our client side when we're talking about embossing, which is sometimes that they think it's debossing. Um, So a lot of people, for some reason, seem to think that embossing is when something is depressed into the paper. Like a lot of people will say to me like, oh, I love this letterpress. It's like embossed. And I'm like, well, actually, no. It's debossed. (laughs) Um, So embossing, on the other hand, is when the design is actually raised from the front surface of your paper. And so everyone listening may already know that. But just in case those two terms ever confuse you, there they are, plain and simple. Debossing is depressed and embossing is raised. Um, And the embossing process is done by using two plates that fit together. And for the sake of understanding what those two plates are, we're going to call them male and female. And um, one of those pushes through the paper and the other one holds the final form on the front side. So that this, the design is actually created. And today I'm going to walk you through how we're going to set up the artwork to make those male and female plates so that you could get started embossing because truly it is so much fun. Like one of my favorite Christmas cards that I've actually had the pleasure to print for a client two years in a row now has a combination of embossing and debossing and the end result just makes me so happy. I love it. You're gonna have to share a picture of that. Yes. Um, It's worth noting that some plate manufacturers will actually set up the embossing plates for you as long as you provide them enough information. But I firmly believe in self-empowerment. It actually, my first email to Uh, Shelly and Max was like, hey, if I send you artwork, would you be able to set up embossing plates for me? And I'm pretty sure she said that she could, but she also just gave me the information to do it myself. And I wanted to learn how to do it myself. It's only going to make you a stronger designer if you know how to do this. So, before we begin, there's a few terms that we're going to establish to help you visualize the process more easily. And I'll repeat these terms several times throughout this episode, but, and I'll even talk about their relationship to each other. But I just want to start off with some basic definitions. So, a few illustrator terms a path is a set of points that define a shape, a closed path is a boundary of a shape that has no beginning or end. So think of like if you drew a circle or a square or if you outlined your text, the shape of it is your closed path. Um, A stroke is the visual attribute that you apply to a path that determines the paths width. So the difference being that all paths can have a stroke, but all strokes must have a path. Like a stroke follows a path. Got it. Um, so in design softwares, the stroke weight is measured in points. So you'll be familiar with this. Like you add one point stroke. Um, these points are equal to 172nd of an inch. We talked about this really briefly in yes. what's the weight? Because yeah. we brought up the fact that points can mean all kinds of different things. So this value right here was the missing value in my correspondence when I was talking with Shelly about this, because um, we'll get to it later, but when we're talking about the width of the paper, that's also measured in points, but those are a different measurement than the value of the stroke in the Adobe Illustrator program and in in any design program. So anyway, um, it's worth noting that when we say stroke weight, that one seventy second of an inch. Now, there's two design action terms to also keep in mind. The one that we're really going to talk about is choke. And this was this was one of the words that was like, oh, my God, where, where are we getting choke from? What is this? But then obviously, <laughs> if you, it becomes much easier to understand when you know that when you're talking about choking in the sense of design attributes – It's reducing the amount of stroke that an object's path has. And people who are in this industry get that. And like some of us who are just walking into it, just don't. The opposite of choke is spread. So spreading is to like increase the amount of an object's path. And actually, when I think about it, I had used these before a lot. If you do anything in Photoshop and you are using the emboss and deboss filters, and you go into those filters, the two things that you are like adjusting are the opacity and the spread. So, like the size and the spread, basically. And reducing that spread is choking the filter, and then increasing it is spreading it. So, anyway, I love it. There we Fun go. <laughs> path, close path, stroke, choke, spread. We got our terms. All right, so now we are actually going to start the process. The very first thing that you will need to know, whether you're outsourcing the work or you're doing itself, is what paper you want to emboss on. When you make an embossing plate, it is not going to like universally work on all papers because the object is that the gap between your male and female plate should be accommodating for the width, the thickness of your paper. So. Um, To get the correct gap between our male and female plates, we're gonna have to know the caliper of the paper. So, this goes back again to our weight what's the weight episode, where caliper of paper is measured by none other than points. Points. (laughs) (laughs) Darn it. (laughs) And it's important to know that paper can be the same weight but different thicknesses. It could also be the same thicknesses, but different weights. So it's less important to know that you're going to be using 91 pound text weight. You just need to know the caliper thickness of that. So how do you know that? You can either take a sheet of that paper and measure it with a fine-tuned pair of calipers, or you you could check the data sheet for that specific paper that you plan to use, and you could usually find the data sheets on um, the manufacturer's website. So, for example, if I wanted to emboss a logo and the client cho- chose 91 pound text weight Mars green from Color Plan, choosing a color, choosing a manufacturer, I would look up the data on their website. And in this instance, for Color Plan, I usually go to legionpaper.com because they put all the specs on the right-hand side really easy for you to access. I search the product by name. I go to color plan. It brings up the whole range of colors right on the side. It tells me that 91-pound text is eight points. So this instantly left me to believe that I needed an eight-point line in Illustrator the first
1: time. Logical. I love it. It seems so smart. (laughs) But wait, it's not.
0: <laughs> if you go into Illustrator and you type in an eight point line, you are going to get this thick ass line, baby. Like it's it is orders of magnitude larger than what you need. So the caliper of the paper is measured by thousands of an inch. So an eight point paper thickness it is eight thousandths of an inch, whereas an eight point line is one hundred and eleven thousandths of an inch so it's like way way bigger
1: okay oh my god the math is not mathing
0: is everyone confused
1: yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh my gosh But i will say so like this like this is where it starts to make sense right where like you start to understand like hey those two things are not the same measurement you like make an eight point line in Illustrator and you immediately look at that and you're like, that is not the same thickness as a text weight piece of paper.
0: (laughs) Yes. No chance. So let me tell you this, that like that section of this episode, had someone told me that would have saved me hours that day that I was setting up this plate because what I kept doing is um, I just didn't have the words to type into Google to get the result back that I wanted. And basically what I wanted to know is, what is a one point line equal to an inch in an inches. In, in inch
1: of an inch? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and like, but I couldn't like formulate that because I was still trying to like Google, I don't know, like based on the caliber of the paper and stuff. And so I kept like, pr- like drawing lines and printing things out and setting the paper next to it and trying to see what it would be. And Dear Lord, I finally found, oh, it's one seventy second of an inch. Okay, I got it. Now I could do some basic math. Yeah. Um, But I am, the next thing that we're going to talk about now is actually designing the plates. But I am going to pause for a really quick story because when I was outlining this episode, I actually did this whole process step by step and I wrote everything out. And then I realized that the quintessential factor that sometimes gets confusing is the whole mirroring aspect And when I started writing the outline, I just wanted to keep it simple for our listeners. So I was using a two inch circle as our our test subject. Mm -hmm. But then I realized you can't tell if a circle is mirrored or not. So that's not helpful. (laughs) So this episode is going to be slightly longer than anticipated because. You need to know all these important things. I'm doing it for you guys, so buckle on in because we're
1: getting down into it. Listen to it on one and a half speed. It'll be fine. All
0: right. So again, just to simplify it, I just picked one letter. I picked a letter that is not symmetrical so we would know whether it's mirrored or not. I picked the letter K. Perfect. Yeah, H Um, wouldn't have done as
1: much good. <laughs>
0: an a, an H one, oh I almost an did an a M. Oh
1: you yeah. I did an
0: M and I was like nope. <laughs> Depends on the font, I suppose, but yeah. Well, that's funny. True, 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 true. Okay. Excellent choice. Bravo. So in this example that I'm gonna walk you guys through, the first thing that we're doing is I'm gonna type the letter K and then I am gonna outline it so that it becomes a shape, which is a closed path. Yay. That's all it is. A shape is just a closed path. You can add a fill to it, or it could have no fill, whatever you want to do. But we're gonna outline it and then I resize it to my desired height of two inches. This is just an arbitrary size for the demonstration, but the K is two inches high. As I mentioned earlier, embossing is achieved by using a male and a female plate, and the male plate will be the one that goes inside the female plate. So. (laughs) (laughs) Hate
1: that term, but it is what it is. No better way to describe it.
0: It is what it is. It's how we're describing it. But I feel like we could all visualize and remember it. Okay. So the K that I just outlined is going to become the mail plate. What is important to know is that the mail plate, when it's in its manufactured form, so when you are looking at it and ready to put it on your press, it is not mirrored. It should read right facing. So if oh, you no. wrote the word hello... Typically, when you make a plate for that and you get the plate back, the word hello is backwards. For embossing, your male plate needs to read right facing. So it should say hello. You should be able to read it normally. But what that does mean is you have to mirror it for your plate artwork. Because the plates oh are made mirrored
1: by your artwork. Oh my god, whose head is hurting? I'm all twisted
0: around now. Okay. Okay. We're we are we are just gonna take a deep breath. We're <laughs> gonna take in and out. Okay.
1: It's gonna be fine.
0: So the important thing to know is that typically you give your plate manufacturer right-facing artwork and they mirror it for you. In this instance, you are giving them mirrored artwork and they are gonna right face it for you just through their process. Trust me, it's going to work. So what that means is you got to mirror that bad boy and you got to do it right now. So if you're following along, if you're making this demonstration with me, mirror that baby right now, because otherwise you're going to forget it. Because I forget it every time and I go to set up my embossing plates and I'm like, shit, this is going to emboss backwards. So we're back on track. We've mirrored our K. Now we need to make the beginnings of our female plate. This can be whatever shape and size you need it to be, but I usually give myself enough space within the female plate so that I could put packing where the embossing is happening, but that packing won't overlap the edge of the plate. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Like, yeah, because, like, if you just put in a bunch of packing, you know, that's, like, the whole size of your piece of paper or whatever, you are likely going to, like, capture the edges of your female plate and then you're going to have like a square around your K and you don't want that. Yeah. So leave yourself enough room, but you don't have to make it too large. Like don't make it the entire size of your card because one, you pay for every square inch of material and two, you don't want your plates to interfere with your gauge pins either. So like if one time I was working on a project where like the embossing was actually very close to the edge of the paper and that became like an interesting figure out where I wanted to put my gauge pins and how I wanted to orient my artwork so that the female plate was not going to be interfering, you know, with anything. Yeah. Um, so choose wisely for this example, I'm going to make the female plate a four inch by four inch square. It'll give me plenty of space on all sides. And I am just going to draw that shape. I'm going to center the k and the square together and then use the pathfinder tool to divide them and mariah i have tried so many times to describe this divide tool it's the two squares that overlap that still have the square in the center yeah and when you hover your mouse over
1: it it says divide
0: yes yes so when you have your pathfinder window open you could just hover over all the options until you get to one that says divide Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And
1: yep, that's the easiest way, honestly, (laughs) because describing those little squares and circles are just like, it's too much. Um, Yeah. If anything
0: disappears when you click that button, then you've picked the wrong one. Like nothing should disappear. But basically what it's going to do is it's going to cut the K out of your square, but leave all the pieces in place. So once and once you do that, it will automatically group them. So you're going to ungroup them. And if you move those around, you should basically have your cap- your capital letter K and then you'll have a box where the K is knocked out of.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay. So the next thing that I do, and this is just for my own sanity, is I draw a line that represents the thickness of my paper. And I usually make this something really bright, like a color like bright green or a blue just so that it stands out from the black and white that I'm going to be using to like make these plates. And I'm going to draw that line and then I'm just going to leave it there. So for if my paper is an eight point paper, and a one point stroke is 0.013 inches, then a 0.75 stroke is a good size to use. So like, I'm going to draw this line and apply a 0.75 stroke. Now I just use that. The math that I used to get that was pretty much like I took the size of a one point line and then I divided it by two and that was too much. So then I divided it by like three quarters and that was fine. So just like roughly try to find the conversions. Yeah. Yeah. Roughly try to find the thickness of line that is best going to match your paper it does not have to be exact you just want it to be close and it's better for it to be more than it is less having a tighter gap between your two plates is going to crack your paper Um, having more of a gap like if it's more than it needs to be your embossing just isn't going to be crisp but it will still emboss whereas like if the gap is too close you're gonna just crack your paper you're basically going to make a die cut is what you're going to do yeah All right, so then to create this gap that we keep talking about. Get to the gap. (laughs) We are going to do the choking mechanism. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) To create the gap that we've been talking about, um, we have to choke back the shape. So AKA add a white stroke to the inside of the path line. Ideally, you want to choke both sides equally so that you're staying close to the original size that you intended for your artwork. This becomes more important when you're working with small text. Whereas like I'm working with a two inch large K. So nobody's going to notice a fraction of an inch coming off of it. But if you're embossing small text, like a fraction of an inch is a big deal. So choose wisely. You could also decide that you're going to choke all of your line width from your female plate. I just happen to go 50-50 if the text allows. If there's ever a hairline or something that is getting thinner than whatever my plates can handle, which I think is like 0.15, right? I think so, our, something like that. Yeah. Like our plates yeah. can't be any smaller than like point or it might actually be like 0.3 or something. Because I think for the KF on 152 sides.
1: plates it's it's 0.3 or 35, but for the other plates it's 0.15, I think. If I remember yeah. correctly.
0: So all of that is gonna drive it. You can't have a part of your plate that goes smaller than that even if you're not like, quote unquote, letterpress printing, because it's all about the washout. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the goal is to use both the choke and the spread method of creating lines to make sure that the gap is the appropriate size in between your two plates for your thickness. So for my example, because I'm using a big K, I just cut 0.75 in half. I did 0.375 white stroke on the inside of both shapes. And you can choose where the stroke is aligned by using the stroke menu in Illustrator. I'm actually going to link an Adobe article on stroke paths so that you can see like there's different, there's these little icons that show you where the stroke is aligned to and you want it to be on the inside. Now that I have my two shapes still together, the white strokes drawn, I could fit my little green line in between to see how they look. If it looks like I need to increase at all, like I can marginally increase the strokes to be able to create more gap. Like I said, the biggest thing is you just don't want it to be too tight because you're going to crack your paper. Now, The first time I ever ordered embossing plates, I actually ordered three different female plates. And I just kept increasing that gap more and more. And it turns out that all three of them embossed well. The middle one did the best. The tightest one cracked the paper a little. The larger one still looked really good, but not quite as sharp as the middle one. Um, I kind of did like the three bear scenario. Yeah. Situation That's Goldilocks, what, yeah. The gold, goldilocks I did the goldilocks method. I love it, and it was really great. And the other thing that worked so nicely about that is like I was able to test other thicknesses of paper too because I had multiple, yeah, you had a little like option to, to choose smart. from. Yeah, yeah. So if this is your first time and you have you're okay spending the money on a little bit more plate material. I recommend going with what the math tells you to go with and then doing one that your gut says. Like if it looks mm-hmm, a little yeah. close and you're like, man, I think I might need more space, then make one that has a little more space. Perfect. All right. And now we are at our very final step. And that is to pull those two pieces apart and unmirror your female plate. It seems counterintuitive because on the screen, you want them to fit together but in reality, you're going to be putting one of these plates on your base and one yeah. of them on your platen. So they are actually going to be looking at each other. And so for them to fit together, they have to be opposites.
1: This so- is kind of like when I was talking about the type episode, like you just have to trust like it is backwards, left to right. But like you just have to like trust that like <laughs> this is right. Okay.
0: <laughs> like- yeah. And I guess so again, going back to it's so interesting to me because when I'm talking about like interior design projects, I've always been able to like visualize something. Like if you said, oh, I want to put this big like credenza over there and I want to hang artwork here. Like my brain could kind of put those pieces together. But when it comes to like directional things,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. my brain's just like, well, like how many times,
1: how many times have you done the like lefty righty, like figure out which hand is your right, which hand is your left in your lifetime? You know, like, it's just like, for some reason, they're so like easy yeah. to mix
0: up. You know, I've, like, I've stopped caring if I say left and left wasn't the right choice. Then I'll just be like, "That's my left." Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm just like, "That's what I decide is left today." Um, but yeah, so I have actually printed out the artwork that I'm sending the plate manufacturer. And just been like, okay, is this gonna do what I wanted to do? Yeah, it flip, does okay, cut it apart, or... flip it, yeah. <laughs> I love but the it. long and short of it is, when you are setting up the artwork and you are PDFing it, you should be able to read the the female plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the male plate should be reversed. Got so it. male plate reversed, female plate is right reading. When you get your plates and your plates are in hand, it is going That'll to be, be the opposite. opposite of that. Cool. All right, so you've unmirrored your female plate, and you are now done. You are now done. You could send that sucker off um, to be made into a plate, and then I was thinking maybe we talk about, like, a typical setup of embossing. Yeah, I think it's okay. I say we go for it. So then once you get those plates um, in hand and you're setting up your press, what I like to do – I'm sure you could probably do it both ways. I guess it would make sense. That you could do it both ways but what i like to do is i put the male plate on my base and the female plate actually gets stuck to the platen i like to align them by keeping the male and female together using small amounts of tape like up on my base Mm -hmm. and i'll probably have to like post a video to make this make sense but basically they are fit together I peel the female the blue is where it's
1: going to end up it's already stuck it's already like ready ready to go right
0: yes yep and I peel the blue tape off but you have to use like little pieces of painter's tape at the corner to like hold yep. it onto the female plate yep and then I go up and close the press engage the press close yep. the press and now the male plate is stuck to the base Perfect. Yeah. So like that's it's, how that happens. Yeah.
1: It's the same same process as we use to register our regular plates, but just an addition of another plate.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Although not everyone registers it that way. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll show a video of that. Obviously, you want to you want to put that plate on something that it could be peeled off of, and because you will need to add some packing, I recommend maybe putting down a piece of acetate that your plate is then going to go on top of. So like when I'm feeding my stuff in, it's being fed over directly over the female plate. Like there's nothing on top of it. But then I use packing underneath the female plate. I'm gonna go under and I'm gonna cut small pieces of packing so that they are only under the area that is gonna get embossed and they do not extend beyond The border of the female plate.
1: That four inch square that you used for your two inch K, you would have like just under four inches square of packing.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And then you basically feed your paper in with the top side down. So if you were printing, um, let's say you were embossing something on an invitation that also had some other letterpress work You should be feeding it in with the letterpress portion down so that the male plate is hitting from the back of the paper and pushing through to the female plate. And then when you pick it up, you're going to have like this really beautiful raised design on the front. Et voila. Just like that. Et voila. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. I love this topic, but sometimes it gets a little chaotic in my head because there's a lot of like this on that, and that's on this, and Yeah, all it's that.
1: another one of those things that's, like, hard to explain verbally when it's a very visual thing, but I think you did a great job. I'm very yes. proud, and I feel confident to go create my own embossing plates now.
0: <laughs> Yay! Yeah, I, that, that would be, like, the biggest takeaway. I, I would want people to at least feel like they confidently knew, or that they could at least have the questions, or, like, ask people, like, hey, does this look right? Because, I swear that day I was sitting down and I was like, what is it? What is my life? What is going on? <laughs> yeah. And of course, it was like one of those situations where I had already said yes to something. Like, I had to figure it out. I had Hello. already said yes to doing I hate something. hate when we do that and- to ourselves.
1: <laughs> hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate, hate, hate. Loathe
0: entirely. <sighs> Hello, then darling. <laughs> Should we be quoting Christmas movies this whole time? Because I'm going to put Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color, at the beginning oh, of gosh. the last
1: episode. I love it. I feel like, was there an episode where I quoted, um, how'd you sleep? Great, I got a full 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I'd like to use that somewhere. Maybe in episode 12, I don't know. That's I always one of my favorites. Feels so like an adult, like an adult thing. You know, you're like, yeah. How'd you sleep? Great, I got a full
0: 30 minutes. I had 16 (laughs) cups of coffee. (laughs) I don't know if it necessarily counts as a Christmas movie, but um, my favorite thing to quote recently, and I I don't even know if it counts as a quote, but have you watched Frozen? Yep. Do you know where, when they're walking and they're asking Olaf questions and he's just like, yeah, why? Yeah, why? Uh Uh-huh, totally. I know
1: exactly what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> like whenever anyone asks me anything now I'm just like
1: yeah why
0: <laughs> that was me as a kid I would always be like why why why
1: why that is every kid oh uh, true 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 <laughs> true
0: yeah oh my gosh okay so shall we go into our favorite, our favorite segment, segment. printmas printmas <laughs> 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 that was unrehearsed. un-rehearsed. Yeah, that was, that was very coordinated, and just coincidentally. I'm very proud of us. Okay. Holy crap. We are down to only two weeks of Printmas. It is this I, week and next week. and I can't even believe. I can't our, believe Christmas is practically here. It's
1: freaking crazy.
0: I know. Our season of giving is coming to an end. I hope everyone's getting
1: letterpress stuff for Christmas.
0: I hope so too, <laughs>
1: um, including us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh wait did i already talk about this on the podcast where i had this idea for the comic strip yes i think you did or did i tell you and per- or did i tell you and not on the podcast well i think you have to tell us again just to make sure all right just to make sure so every now and then um i love to doodle little comic strips or at least ideas of them and i'm like one day i'll fully illustrate this thing out but i never do <laughs> but i really i have this vivid vision of santa sitting there opening up his like uh letters to santa where people ask for what they want and like he's reading this one he's holding the list and then in the next frame you kind of see some of the list and it's asking for like letterpress things like giant (laughs) freaking Vandercooks and stuff and then the last frame he's like looking up and and looking at his head elf and possibly Rudolph in the background and just being like, "Do these assholes think I put a forklift on that sled?"
1: <laughs> okay, I do remember this, but I, that doesn't tell me whether or not you told the podcast yet. So either way, I think we're we're happy happy you did.
0: Oh my god, I just love oh it. God. I hope we're all asking Santa for things that he needs a forklift for.
1: Yeah, weigh f- eighty five thousand pounds. <laughs>
0: dear dear santa i really would love a kluge. yeah i'd like a whole studio full of a hot foil press Kluge with um 17 different foil rolls and
1: um my garage outlet converted to 220 volt power thank you
0: (laughs) oh my gosh can you imagine and he's like there's another elf that has like a tool toolbox like a work belt and he's like well i guess you have to come too we're doing some electrical work
1: (laughs) oh man i can only imagine if if santa could could only hear all the things we wish for uh for our studios and
0: businesses if he sees when we're sleeping and he knows when we're awake i guarantee you he listens to this podcast
1: (laughs) yeah he's probably offended by all the curse words um
0: (laughs) i don't know i feel like For someone with such a high stress job, he drops some f bombs. (laughs) He just doesn't do it around the children. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Printmas week 11. Week 11. Aww. Second to last week. I know. Alright, so this week we actually want to give away a copy of our letterpress supply guide because we're already talking about different ways to like help you get into doing something that you're not doing by making embossing plates. So if you want to get into other things... You can look at all of our favorite vendors and supplies and all that jazz over on our supply guide, and we would love to give it to you, especially if you have not gotten it already.
1: Yeah. We also have everything that is in our letterpress studios in our shops uh, listed with links to go purchase those items. Um, We have like a dozen different categories and vendors and all of those for things like type and uh, where to get your letterpress plates and your bases and different uh, parts and tools for printing and otherwise. So um, there's a ton of great resources in the guide altogether.
0: Yeah. So if you want to enter to win that letterpress supply guide, we would love for you to share from this season of Printmas, your favorite episode. So we have talked about preparing for holiday, two wrongs don't make a copyright, die cutting, uh, the printer's fair recap and so many more. Go through these season three episodes and tell us which one of those is your absolute favorite. Tag us on Instagram if you're on there. If you're not on Instagram, you can feel free to send us an email at hello at the dot com, or come on over to our Instagram, which is hot off the press pod. So share your favorite episode. And make sure you tag us if you are doing it on Instagram so that we'll be able to see that you've shared it. And we are going to keep this giveaway open until Friday, December 16th. Friday, December 16th at 11 59 PM will be the deadline. And then we will be picking a winner and we will send you an email that has a copy of the letterpress supply guide with all of the links to all of the vendors. So you could save it to your desktop and it could literally be like having a letterpress shop in at your computer at your disposal at all times yeah I
1: commonly go back to the letterpress guide to find (laughs) to find things that I need for my own studio like to reorder things that I've purchased before I literally go in there to go to those links to make my life easier so um yeah even if you have an existing shop this is a super handy tool to have uh just to make life easier for you so yeah yay
0: awesome well
1: Thanks for educating us. Thanks for telling us how to emboss because now we all have another tool in our belt. I'm very excited.
0: Yay. You are so welcome. And thank you for to everyone who tuned in this week and all the other weeks. Um, next week is the last episode of season three and the last episode in 2022. And we will be doing a Spotify recap. And we are yeah. so... <laughs> just grateful and thankful that you have been here and supporting us for this whole year and we love being here to support you guys on your letterpress journeys and we're very much looking forward to the next season and next year yeah big plans
1: for 2023 we've got a whole bunch of guests that we're lining up um if you're interested in being on the podcast definitely send us an email and get on our schedules for the beginning of the year um yeah thanks everybody yay (laughs) Bye.